Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? It is episode 131 of The List and your boy. I am joined by one Jimmy Van. Jimmy, how are you? Doing all right, Sean. We're about three weeks out from your latest, what is this, third year in a row visit to Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Sean? Yeah, would have almost been my fourth trip, but things happened, Jimmy. They did, they did, but you're going to make it in this time. We were talking off the air about how many shows are going to be going on that weekend. It's all, it almost feels like WrestleMania weekend with all oh, yeah. the shows going on here. Uh, there's going to be a lot, and Sean is going to be just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. It's it's legitimately going to be one of my busiest work weeks ever, and I'm really excited. I'm a little bit nervous about it. I've ne- I've never been nervous about a work-related thing. Maybe a little bit before Double or Nothing, but I mean, once me and you got into the conference room for there, we were like, okay, interview, 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 interview. Yeah. Uh, this is different. Like, we're going to be bringing people into studio. We're going to yeah. be running up the road i'll be driving across well not me driving i will never drive in toronto traffic <laughs> be riding across town there's a lot of stuff happening uh i thought I'm, maybe I'm, i thought maybe you were nervous because you're going to be potentially potentially challenging melissa for the fightful championship so i thought maybe that's the reason you're nervous I, i'm going to lay down the official challenge right now jimmy i know that you had put the mandate at like 500 fightful select subscribers but because I'm such a humble person, <laughs> yes, I want to challenge Melissa for that championship. Melissa, I am hereby challenge you, not just to any match, but the week I'm in Toronto, on the list in your boy. Not, not just that. I want to kick off the show with it, Jimmy. I have plans. Really? A thumb wrestling match 
for the Fightful Championship. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to train really hard because I take Melissa seriously because she's a great competitor and I am humble. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I am humble. You're humble. So when I insult Melissa to build up – because you know I'm a professional, Jimmy. I am a professional. You're a professional, I gotta, Sean. I got to build it up. So instead of insulting her life, I'm just going to wish things upon her that will cause mild con- inconveniences. That's it. That's all. So I, you know, I hope that she goes to the grocery store and she takes coupons and she relies on those coupons. And then when she gets up to the front, they are two days expired and they say, no, sorry, you can't have it. And it messes up her budget a little bit, not too much. I don't want it to mess up her budget too much, but I do hope that she has to put up all of the items in which she shopped for. I got it. I got it. It's like, uh, you know, uh, it's like rain on your wedding day, Sean. Yes. A, yeah. free, a free ride when you already paid? Yeah. Stuff like uh, that. It's, it's actually a free ride when you're already late, Jimmy. A free ride when you've already paid, isn't it? I think it's a free ride. Okay, look that up, Sean. Look up the lyrics of that song, Sean, and we'll figure okay. that out. I'm pretty sure I know my Canadian uh, but singers better than In terms than you. of sense. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Right. What was that? What was that? You were right. Yeah. Ah, there you go. There you go. Boy, wow. that, that felt good, Brady. It felt good getting that. We're going to turn that into a soundbite. <laughs> that we will. Yeah, we are. All right, so last weekend was possibly the most jam-packed wrestling weekend in terms of television that I can recall. Uh, all kinds of shit. There was the Evolve show. I haven't seen that show yet. Have, were you able to check out the entire Evolve show? I was. Was I, it good? I, yeah, I, I liked it. It was different. It, it was, was different? a different show. Evolve, that they needed this. They needed that because they have not had a bit of buzz like about them since the Flow Slam thing fell through. So good for them. Good for them. Well, New Japan also continued on with the G1. Uh, then AEW had Fight for the Fallen on Saturday, head to head with Evolve. There was Extreme Rolls on Sunday. There was a UFC show with uh, Uriah Faber showing uh, a pretty, pretty damn good effort, I thought, in his comeback. And uh, I'm not going to go into reviews of the show, Sean. They're already up on Fightful. You can see everything there you want to see. I just want to talk a few points about the shows. Okay. Uh, with Mr. Sean Rossap. So I want to start with the stream rules. How many times, Sean, have we gone into a show with the lowest of expectations? And then we end up like very positively, pleasantly surprised about it. And on the flip side, we've gone into shows with high expectations, and they were crap. And Extreme Rules, we talked about last week how of all the shows going on last weekend, Extreme Rules was the one that we looked forward to the least. Yeah. And for me, it was the best show of the weekend. Oh, it was by a mile it was the best show of the weekend It to was, me. And, and I thought that was very interesting. And I want to talk a few points. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura, I love that they're pushing him again on television. He's a, a talent I, you know that I love. At the time of the match, I questioned the booking. I question how come Finn Balor lost again? Well, now we know why, uh, and we'll get into that later on. Undertaker looked the best he's looked in a long time. I think the full tank looks good on him, given where he's at this stage of his career, compared to the the singlet that he would normally wear. Uh, I know that a we lot need of to people, have a fashion segment on this show. Maybe we'll do that. I know. I know. <laughs> I know a lot of people when they saw that match, they thought, "Oh, this confirms Goldberg was shit." In Saudi, well, it, in Saudi Arabia, and I'm and I'm not going to defend Goldberg, but I do want to just say that it was incredibly humid in Saudi Arabia, uh, which did add to the match. But 
the Taker match was good. I thought Taker looked really good. Michael Cole always says this when The Undertaker's in the ring, Sean. Drives me crazy, and this was a direct quote from Michael Cole. I can't remember when The Undertaker has looked that damn good. It's like, come on. Yeah. Uh, also, who, I think who, it's hilarious. Who are you insulting? That, you know? I love that that's what confirmed that Goldberg was trash. I mean, hey, Shane McMahon is a better wrestler than Bill Goldberg. Is he a better pro wrestler? I don't know about that as far as personality and all that stuff goes. At this stage, yeah, I think he is. I think he probably um, is. Yeah. I, people can say a lot about Shane McMahon. Uh, give me him in the ring over Vince McMahon at this stage 20 years ago. As oh. a character, no. Not, right. not, not a doubt. But as far as in-ring performance, yeah, sure. And that's why I give him a little more leeway. Undertaker looked great. He did. Here's the thing. Out of that, what I don't need is a 15-minute Undertaker singles match. I agree. I, I would love if Undertaker exclusively got involved in tag team matches, multiple person matches, things like that where he didn't have to run his gas tank nonstop because that match kicked all kinds of ass. It was That good. was the perfect placement on that show, Jimmy. It was, and the crowd was really into it too. I also really liked uh, Aleister Black and Cesaro. It took time for the crowd to get into it. Um, and when they first booked the match, to me it was a bit of a downer that Cesaro was chosen, but now in hindsight, he was the perfect opponent for Aleister Black because of their striking styles. You know, you had Aleister with all the kicks, Cesaro with the, the a variety of ways that he does European uppercuts. Made for a very interesting kind of snug type of striking style match, uh, and I really like that. I thought that the last man, last man standing match, that was the old Braun Strowman. That was a Braun Strowman guy's like to see the guy that tore shit up uh and so i thought that was a good match now i will say one thing that bothered me about this show and and this is the same thing that i always complain about with the young bucks or at least one of the things i was complaining about with the young bucks it was the tag team matches both the undertaker tag and the main event tag with uh rollins becky corbin and lacy you have these four person schmozzes go on for two three four five minutes at a time and then they stop to make a tag uh, I, I that shit drives not... me crazy I hate the just complete abandonment of rules in tag team wrestling these days. It frustrates me to no end. Rules are important because they make things matter, and making things matter is important. And, hey, you, you know what matters to us, Jimmy? What's that? FightfulSelect.com. I dropped my Q&A. You can ask as many questions as you want if you subscribe. It's the most direct way to support us. But, hey, if you guys want to ask a question here live on the air on YouTube, donate a super chat any amount. We'll answer your question, read your statement. Uh, the first one we got, boy, I don't know what this is, but I do know what this is. Somebody says, is Jimmy taking SRS to sundowners this time? <laughs> that sounds like a three-star strip club if I've ever heard of one. Uh, it is the most popular joint in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, from, oh, what, well, from what I hear. Why would we go all the way to Niagara Falls and spend... Like, you just know everything's more expensive there, too. I have no comment as to why you, you choose to go there instead of going to one in Toronto. I have oh, no yeah, comment. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, uh, but uh, it's... Uh, so, sorry, fellas. If I hit up uh, one of those establishments, it's going to be in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, you probably have more fun at Sundowners, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, but that, that's, that's another topic for another Is day. Is this in your educated opinion, Jimmy, or just a hunch? From what I've been told. <laughs> From what I've been told. told, sources can confirm. We'll have a full write-up on Fight will Select later. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we will. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Fight for the Fallen. I, I know that some people think I hate AEW, 
uh, and I don't. Oh, because you do. Oh, you because I do. Sure do. I for Thank sure do. do. I for sure hate everything about AWS. Uh, Check Alex Marvez. You love his work. There you go. There you go. Oh, boy, we're going to get to that. So uh, fight for the fallen. So a couple of things that I really like about AEW uh, on an ongoing basis. One thing is that they book fresh matches with top guys against random up-and-comers. And I really like that, and I wish WWE would do more of that. Uh, like we've seen Cody and Darby Allen, we saw Heyman Page and Kip Sabian at uh, Fight for the Fallen. I like it that they do stuff like that. And another thing about AEW, their tag division is really good, like oh, really God. good. Uh, I know Dark Order gets shit on, and they deserve to get shit on. But in the uh, ring, yeah. in the ring, yeah. That oh my God, the smaller one, uh, Stu, Stu Grayson. Yeah. Stu Grayson yeah. is amazing. Yeah, he is. But you know what? I, you know what I don't like about Stu Grayson. And I get it that it's, you know, a gimmick or whatever. He walks around like he thinks he's Sid Vicious. And the guy the guy I, looks like he weighs 170 pounds, but he walks I around like, like he's Sid Vicious. He's like 190, but I, I kind of like that he does that. Uh, maybe, uh, but he's definitely now, the better of that team. There's no question about it. You brought up the up-and-comer against some of the established people. And they, they don't have, like, incredible builds for them. It's sometimes, like, very minimal. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Like, last night, me and Alex were talking about on the air, that thing that buddy murphy said at the beginning yes. of the show that should have been all that it took for him to get a main event spot against kevin owens last I night i completely it's, agree instead of thing yeah i completely agree ziggler ziggler didn't lose that match so buddy murphy didn't have to lose either so that's something that buddy could have then hung his hat on for weeks and weeks and weeks until he got another opportunity i agree uh, i would love to see for example just <clears throat> out of the blue i would love to see roman reigns against buddy murphy I'd love to see Roman Reigns take on, let me see, let me look at him. Whether it's face or a heel, I wouldn't mind seeing him against Otis of the Heavy Machine. Of That'd, heavy be different. Machine. That'd be different. And that's the thing. Yeah. Why not different? Why, yeah. why not a couple baby faces? Why not a really established guy? And then afterwards, Roman Reigns, the most established guy there, gives Otis a little fist bump. Good job, young man. Right. There you go. I, I, it'd be different. I, I agree with that. Uh, going back to Fight for the Fallen, uh, I really like the arena. Very unique. It was an outdoor arena, but there was like some kind of a roof over top of it. They had the ramp going right to the ring. Thought that looked really cool. Obviously, as it turned out, the humidity was a problem. And uh, the crowd by the end was pretty tired and pretty quiet. But uh, I thought it, it looked really good on television, so that was cool. You mentioned Alex Marvez. Now... I don't want to see anybody lose their job, Sean. Okay, I don't yeah. want to see anybody lose their job. But with all due respect to Alex Marvez, he is not who you want on color when they go weekly on TNT. You do not want Alex Marvez doing color for your promotion when you go weekly on TNT. He is just way too soft-spoken, low energy. Uh, he's just I not. Like, a... I like that low energy. He is. He is. He's low energy. And him and him and uh, Jim Ross, there's no chemistry with him at all. Uh, I found Excalibur was a lot. Uh, he was lower energy this show than he had been before. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's because he maybe he was looking for the for the right times to come in. I don't know what it might have been. But Marvez to me just doesn't work. I know that that some people say, oh, you got to give him a chance because he's new to this. You don't want this guy doing your weekly television on TNT. No. And, and so they got to figure I, that out. I'm okay with JR being on weekly TV at least for a while because they want people to switch that channel and then say, wait, I know this voice. Yep. So I, I get that. I understand. But he's got to become he's got to become not just more familiar, yes. extremely familiar with this talent. Yep. And I, I mentioned three or four names off the top of my head last week. 
uh, Tyler Valls, Todd Kinley, Sarah Shockey. They're all out there. They're all very good. Right. Uh, Alex Marvez does not need to be doing what he's doing. He did good, good backstage interviews, although they were a minute long. Uh, I don't even know if Alicia Atout is still with the company since they had Jen Decker. I don't know what they're doing there. But right. you can find work for these people in an age where content is all over the place. Alex Marvez is a phenomenal journalist. Yep. And I mean a, a journalist straight up that I look up to. He is an amazing journalist. You, know, you I can would, have I him would... narrate stuff. You can have him yep. break down digital content. There's all kinds of stuff. I'm going to tell you something about Alex Marvez. And, and I've, never, I've never told you this before. So back in the day when I had my original, my original uh, wrestling site, JimmyVan.com, I used to do these lengthy interviews uh, over the phone at the time because there was no Skype video and all that. And I would trans- transcribe them myself. One time I did an interview with Ricky Steamboat and it ended up being a four-hour phone interview over two nights. I transcribed it. I used to send it out to other websites to get uh, publicity for it. Dave Meltzer really put over the Ricky Steamboat piece that I did. And Alex Marvez sent me an email. This is when Alex Marvez was writing for The Observer at the time. He sent me an email offering me an opportunity to write for a magazine, I think, out of the U.K., that he had an affiliation with. He said, I, I've seen your stuff. I think you're good. Uh, I can introduce you to this guy. But at that time, I was kind of going in another direction. I was getting out of the wrestling game, and I was getting more into advertising. And so I didn't uh, take him up on the offer, but I thought it was just a very kind thing for him to do. And so, to me, he's, he's, he's a good guy. And like I said, I don't want to see anybody lose their job. I'm just looking at this from the perspective of what's best for AEW. Uh, and him doing color on your weekly TV is just not – I don't think it's going to work. But uh, uh, Speaking of magazines, I want to give a shout-out to Fighting Spirit Magazine. They're wrapping yeah. things up. That's yeah. a bummer. That's yeah. a bummer. Uh, I grew up on – not on Fighting Spirit Magazine. I can't pretend that. But that's, that's one of the things I always wanted to be in print. And now they're – there's like I think PWI maybe they're out there digitally. Um, yeah, and uh, a lot of respect to the guys at Fighting Spirit Magazine. Nick Wolf sent a super chat and said Sundowners is rated number one in Canada, number four in the world. Well, okay, are you and serious? Just, number four in the world. Says. Justin Whaley sent a whale of a super chat. Fifty Canadian, Jimmy. Wow, good for you, man. That's which a... is at least three dollars USD. I was gonna say ten uh, and a quarter US. Yeah. <laughs> He says, do you guys think the IC, US, WDB, and Universal belts are pointless? What do you think it'd look like with light heavyweight, cruiserweight, heavyweight, super heavyweight, uh, and an openweight championship with no rules? Personally, I don't like that because styles make fights in pro wrestling. Yep. You don't want, the, all, especially, by and large, in WWE especially, just the same thing versus the same thing too much because that – Yep. It's real old. And the other thing, too, is that, number one, the weights are gimmicked. And number two, if you look at the UFC, there's a lot of, like, only 10-pound gaps between divisions. And in pro wrestling, a 10-pound difference is really nothing. And and so it'd make it awkward to see that. Uh, The reason they have so many titles is because of the touring brands. And we've talked about how, you know, they really don't need to tour as much as they do. And when we get to Finn Balor, I want to talk about that. But uh, that's why they still exist. That's why they haven't unified them is because of the touring brands. Yeah, and they've got five brands right now. Right. They've got Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, 205 yep. Live, and uh, they, who knows? They may end up adopting Evolve more frequently. And yeah, uh, like as far as Raw and SmackDown go, I mean, in the old WWE days or WWF days, you had the World Title, Intercontinental Title, Tag Team Title, and 
sometimes a women's title, and that's pretty much what they have for the main roster brands. You sprinkle in the women's tag, which was around as well, although not used as much. Yep. You throw in the 24-7. Uh, 205 Live pretty much just has one championship. It's never on Raw or SmackDown. It's right. only on the pay-per-views. Right. NXT has the same number of titles. They've got about four. NXT UK has about three. Mm. So honestly, I don't have a problem with the number of titles they have. I have the problem with the utilization of those titles. Yep, for sure. Let's go back to Fight for the Fallen. A few more things I want to talk about. So you mentioned Jim Ross. Uh, he said one thing that really kind of made me cringe on uh, on Fight for the Fallen. He was talking about Darby Allen's coffin drop from Fighter Fest, mm-hmm. what he did the drop from the top rope onto the apron, but he referred to it as, quote, that coffin thing he did. Ugh. And as soon as he said it, I can't recall if it was Marvez or Excalibur, they corrected him and said the coffin drop. And I thought to myself, you've got to know that stuff. Like, you're well, not. The thing is, he's got to care. Yeah, it, it just felt like, it felt like he didn't make any effort at all. Like, how do you not? That was one of the biggest spots of Fighter Fest, Sean. Like, how do you not remember what that's called when you're doing play-by-play? That, to me, he's really got to work on. Uh, The six-man tag that they did, the tag opener that they did, I really liked it because it spotlighted guys that they very clearly see something in. All six of those guys, MJF, Sammy Guevara, Sean Spears, who they really... He showed more star potential in that match, Sean, than his entire WWE run. In that one match, so so Sean Spears was in there, Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela, uh, and they're going to do Spears and Rhodes at All Out. They already announced that. All six of those guys, they clearly show something in. All six of those guys are unique in kind of different ways. So I really like that. Now, I want to talk about Brandy Rhodes. What has long been one of my biggest gripes about Stephanie McMahon on WWE television? That she doesn't need to be there for one, but that she puts herself in the middle of everything. And no, one of my biggest gripes has been that Stephanie McMahon will do babyface stuff in the ring, putting over, say, the Women's Revolution, putting over the Evolution pay per view, putting over whatever. She'll do the babyface rah rah, all the women on the stage, yay for us, or the charity stuff they do where Stephanie's in there smiling with the big check. She'll do that babyface stuff, but then on the same show, she'll play bad guy, and she'll slap Roman Reigns, or she'll do whatever. That has long been one of my biggest gripes about Stephanie McMahon, and Brandy Rose is going down that exact same road, and I cannot tell you how much I hate it. I hate it. They had Brandy Rhodes do, she was in that video before her match with Allie, and Brandy Rhodes was a complete and total babyface, crying, talking about how she didn't know if she could do it in the ring and all of that. Then she went out and she played the bad guy in the match. And I thought, I just, I hate it, and I don't understand. You know what that would be like? That would be like watching Star Wars, Sean. And that would be like the dude uh, that played Kylo Ren. What the hell is his name? I forget. Uh, Adam Driver. That'd be like the wrong guy. I know. I, that, I actually had to write it down. But that would, be, that would be like Adam Driver playing Kylo Ren. Then he pauses, looks in the camera, does a public service announcement as Adam Driver, and then goes right back into being Kylo Ren again. You don't do it on the same show. If you want to do your babyface stuff for the dot-com, if you want to do your babyface stuff for documentaries, do it. You cannot be the babyface and then five minutes be the heel on the same show. It's stupid. I hated it when Stephanie did it, and I hate it that uh, Brandy's doing it, and I really wish they wouldn't. Yeah, that match was 
bad. And but her you know post- what? Yeah, sorry what? to cut you off, but you know what? The fans were very respectful of it because it was bad. And I think they knew it was bad, but they were, they did not shit all over it. They were pretty respectful. Well, I think I, I get the feeling, and I hate to use a blanket statement or a generalization, but I get the feeling that people that are there want this to succeed. Right. That's right. And they're, they're a little more forgiving of that. But, man, that was not good. I do not want to see Awesome Kong and Aja Kong. I do, that match is I agree. not, I, not I, I I once again want to put over both Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, when uh, when Double or Nothing happened, and I remember I, I did the write-up uh, in Vegas because you were live at the show, one of the guys I put over the most from Double or Nothing was Luchasaurus because I thought this guy's got a different look than everybody else. He's bigger than everybody else. Did they ever showcase him at Fight for the Fall and doing that aerial stuff that he did, Sean? You oh, know, yeah. like he, I thought he looked excellent. I think him and Jungle Boy are a very unique tag team. Uh, and Jungle Boy, we've talked about. I see a lot of uh, great things for him. He's your prototypical pretty boy baby face, but he can really go in the ring. He's got great lineage, and uh, I just see a lot of positive things for him. Uh, yeah, that's about all I got for Fight for the Fallen. Yeah, it was an okay show. Uh, a missable show, I thought. Yeah, and I still, um, everybody, you know, again, people, some people hate it that I crap on certain things with AW. I'm not a Young Bucks guy. I'm not. And, uh, and it's funny how some, some wrestling sites, everything the Young Bucks does, they, they make like it's the greatest match in the history of the universe. I'm not into them. I didn't think their match with the Roses was good. My issue with them, again, is that they will basically do a five-minute four-man thing in the ring because they want to get their spots in, right? Their double-team spots. So they'll work like five minutes straight with all four guys in the ring, and then after that, they'll go over and make a tag. When the referee stood there the whole time, Watching them for five minutes, not doing anything. Yeah, I hate that. I don't like it. I think that the Young Bucks have no psychology outside of, you know, Matt knows how to sell his arm and shit. Otherwise, uh, I think they're oh, I think, I think they're I think they're some of the best sellers, period. They're fantastic. The selling, selling is good, but the tag team psychology in terms of the rules and stuff, it's out the window in their matches. You know what they should do? They should make their gimmick that every match they do is a tornado match because every match they do is a tornado match. Yeah. You know? So I had a problem with that. And also, I just want to say one more time, I still believe Kenny Omega is one of the best in the business. I thought his match with Shima was good. I love, nice. how, I love how Kenny Omega can go from zero to 60 like that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I thought that match was good as well. That, that, to me, might have been the best match on the show. Well, I'll tell you what I like. My interview with Matt Stryker. The article drops very soon, but you guys get a little, little sneak preview of the video interview. Check it out. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Fightful.com. You were the name that you guys know. Matt Stryker, I was just telling you off the air, big fan of your seminars. You got a lot of knowledge to impart on, on the wrestling world. Uh, how's life for Matt Stryker these days? Uh, the way I look at things is this. I woke up this morning. That's not lost on me. There are a lot of people out there that they pine over the minutia of life or they really think they've got a bad lot in life. When you look around, we woke up this morning, so I think we're doing okay. So we're here in Las Vegas. How has your experience been? Well, I've been working with Fight and for StarCast the entire weekend since the minute I landed on Thursday. I do get to get on a plane later on tonight and go back home to New York. It's beach season, so I live right on the beach. Can't wait for that. But it's been great just to see how, you know, in the media and the news, they're trying to divide us. Everything is division. But here, no matter your sexuality, your religion, your race, what kind of food you like, what kind of clothes you wear, we're all united by one thing, and that's this great sport of professional wrestling. has been a very positive experience, and uh, you mentioned you're doing stuff with fight. Your, your versatility as a broadcaster, as a wrestler, has paid off for you. Do you see more wrestlers stepping into that full-time and really following that? 
the thing I'm noticing is that a lot of people don't realize there are so many elements and aspects. People call it a business. I didn't get into a business. I got into a sport. Then I realized that there's a business side to it. As far as other wrestlers trying to do it, uh, it's not easy. And I'm fortunate to have gone to the Harvard of pro wrestling, whether you like them or not. WWE, I learned from Vince McMahon, I learned from Kevin Dunn, I learned from Triple H, from Arn Anderson, from William Regal, from Dean Malenko. That's an education that cannot be replicated. I mentioned to you, again off the air, you did this great seminar that I saw. Uh, you, When you share this knowledge, how often are you doing the seminars? Do you still do them? Yeah, yeah, I love doing the seminars, and I like to break it down to one simple question. For all, it goes beyond wrestling, it goes out for people. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you making this decision? Why are you allowing something to have control over you? Uh, Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn just did a panel, and Rob talked about mental health, and he talked about depression. And to me, when you give something power to impact your life, that to me is a choice. So finding out why we make these choices is so vital to me, and the seminars are a great way, great way for me to disseminate that information, said the former school teacher. Well, when you ask yourself why you did this interview, it's because I bugged him too. Matt, thank you so much. Appreciate I appreciate you, it. Thank you, and I like your work. All right, Fightful.com, we're out. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button, guys. Leave a thumbs up. Remember, if you're watching live, donate a Super Chat. We'll read your uh, statement on the air. Awesome. So all out is six weeks away now. You're going to be there, Sean. I am going to be there. I got approved uh, this week, actually. There you go. And so far, there's five matches that uh, are somewhat official, I think. Uh, Jericho, Hangman Page for the AEW title. Now, I want to say one other thing about Fight for the Fallen that just popped into my head. Even though I like that they book top guys against random up-and-comers, and I like the freshness of it, I thought it was really, really poor booking to have Hangman Page barely beat Kip Sabian before mm. the 20-minute time limit when you were going to be challenging Chris Jericho for the AEW title. It would have been cool to let Kip Sabian get his shit in, but Hangman yeah. Page should have knocked that out in five minutes before going oh, in there with Jericho. That, that whole show went way longer than it needed to be. And right. there's a lot of stuff that I agree with Cody and Tony Khan and all these people on about about a lot of stuff, but tag team psychology, I sure as hell don't. That right. that is a pain in the ass. Um, it's mostly the, the Bucks though. Like I find the other matches, they more or less stick to the rules. Well, they're going to be working with everybody. That, so. Yeah, their their shit is completely out the window in every match because they just want to get in all their tag yeah. spots. You know, if it's a three way tag match, that's okay because what, yeah. what are they going to DQ somebody? Extre- no. yeah, or or if so. it's a gimmick, if it's like extreme rules, we're doing the ladder yeah. match. Ladder match is all right. You but know? the Lucha Brothers do it an awful lot, too, and that's that's a pain. Now, that main event did not need to be 31 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. Right. Uh, Omega and Shima could have even went without a few more minutes, even though it was great. Uh, Adam Page and Kip Sabian should have been a 10-minute match. Or less. Or less. Uh, Brandy Rhodes and Alley should have been 6 minutes instead of 11 minutes. Right. Uh, the tag, the six man tag, I was cool with that because everybody was over. Yep. The women's tag match could have been about five minutes less, especially considering what happened there. Yeah. Uh, and I thought the Sunny Kiss Peter Avalon match went about as long as it should. Five yep. minutes, get in there. You got a couple people in there that people at least are behind in some degree. But this show didn't need to be four and a half hours. Yeah, it was and really long, especially in I that get- humidity. Like they didn't, they didn't read the room properly. Yeah, and I get that Cody was like, well, we don't want to do four-minute matches. Sometimes those are necessary. Not yes. all the time. But yeah, not like Raw this week, although we'll get to that. But, yeah, uh, it was 
But there were there were probably they could have probably shaved forty minutes off this show, and it's it been looked at a lot more fondly than it was. Right, right. So back to all out. So uh, so Jericho, Heyman, Page, John Moxley, Kenny Omega. That should be a very interesting match. Sean Spears, Cody should be a decent match, I think. Uh, the Bucks and uh, Lucha Brothers AAA uh, tag team titles in a ladder match, and then the whole tag team buy buy in the tournament. Uh, the best friends against the Dark Order. I don't really care too much about that match. I'm not going to lie, but uh, but otherwise uh, those matches are looking pretty good. I mean, the cards looking pretty good to me so far. Yeah, I'll like the Dark Order match a lot more if they lay off the the shitty promos and all that stuff because those are stupid. But I'm sure the match is going to be great. Evil uh, Uno is like eh. Although the creepers are cool, yeah. that's different. The creepers. I don't thing like is, it. I like I, like the, I, I like the throne aspect. The throne aspect yeah. I like. You know. Uh, I, I like almost all of it except for the promos that they show up on the, the Tron and all that stuff. I think those are really, really bad. Uh, I hate that the like Young Bucks and Lucha Brothers keep fighting over the AAA World Tag Team Championship. I'm like, you, you all have your tag titles that are about to be decided. Let that be the focus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But well, not just that, I, but it's it's another reason because I know they like working together and they do a lot of innovative sure. double team spots. So that's that's another opportunity to do a oh, twenty a twenty minute spot fest, which is what it's going to be. Yeah, the card looks real good it right does. now. Like I, I look at Cody and Sean Spears, and I'm like, they're going to tell a story yeah. there, and they go way back. Those guys. And, all I needed to see was Sean Spears tweet that two-second clip of Cody saying he's a good hand because I, I don't know if I had mentioned this. I said that to Shane Helms one time on the air like about how Shelton Benjamin had been referred to as a good hand, and boy, was he mad. And <laughs> you said it to me. You're like, well, he's probably been called a good hand yep. so much in his career that, that's, that he sees that as like, hey, I was a top fucking merch seller. Why am I a good hand? Right. Like – type of thing and i i get it that i saw that and i was like i can tell you from first-hand experience yeah first-hand experience <laughs> that uh that that is a real thing <laughs> cody needs to backhand him and say there's a good hand like one of those one-liners so somebody posted on twitter uh basically what's old is new again in wwe they posted five things going on in wwe right now and how those five things mirror what happened in WWE in October of 2017, so almost two years ago, including Brock Lesnar being Universal Champion, AJ Styles being the U.S. Champion, The New Day being the SmackDown Tag Champions, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon being in a program, and Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt being in a program, right down to Bray having a different outfit, uh, all of which is happening now. It's very, obviously they didn't plan it like that, but that's what's happening. 
Uh, Raw this week, I, I, I think I ask you again, do you know or is it any way to find out how much influence does Paul Heyman actually have? Because when I look at the quality of Raw again this week, it just seems like he's being overruled and everything by Vince McMahon. I, the show has not been good. So how much influence do you think Paul Heyman actually has and how much is he being overruled by Vince McMahon? Well, I don't know how fully integrated he is at this point, even though, I mean, I'm sure his integration is a lot swifter than Eric Bischoff's, who literally hasn't started his job yet. Today was his first day in Stanford. Today. I know, I think some other site reported uh, tomorrow. No, it's today. He's he's there. He got to Stanford last night, filmed a podcast, uh, and next week is like his first week of SmackDown work. And uh, he's going to be in the office today, and I think maybe Monday next week. I don't know, but... As far as Heyman, from what I'm told, is he's not like he's not going to war over little little things right now. He's in this for the long haul, so he's picking his battles. Picking as his battles. Of right now. Well, there was so much not to like on this show. I mean, they had another two out of three falls match, and you know what really gets annoying about those matches is because they're doing them intentionally to get in breaks. They're having guys get beaten like two minutes to moves like a flapjack which just kills everybody. Like, it doesn't really get anybody over when they do that, so that was stupid. I agree. Waffles are way better than flapjacks anyway. There you go. You had Finn Balor, and this was very much like Cedric Alexander on Raw last week when he was under the mask. Finn Balor gets destroyed by Samoa Joe. He didn't get destroyed. It was was a, a backslide or whatever, but he got pinned by Samoa Joe in two minutes, so he lost the match, but then he was able to send Samoa Joe packing. They play his music, so Finn Balor, just like Cedric Alexander last week, smiling, raising his hands in the air. Music plays after he just lost. Uh, the one positive, of course, was Bray Wyatt finally uh, made his uh, in-ring return. And I dig the look of Bray Wyatt, man. I dig it. I, yeah. hope, I hope he keeps the mask on. I was watching it with my wife, and my wife looks at me. She goes, you want one of those masks, don't you? <laughs> uh, my, my wife even commented on it. She was like, I saw Bray's new mask, and it's scary as hell. I like it. I like it's it. It's different. I'm interested in and it. And his whole outfit. Like, he was wearing black and red striped pants. Uh, and I think he was wearing a jacket with tails, wasn't he? I think he was. Yeah. I like it. It's, I know it's a bit of a Joker-esque kind of look, but uh, I liked it. Uh, Mike Kanellis, I don't know where they're going. I don't know what the plan is for Mike Kanellis. So um, a lot. Of, I see people in the chat that are like, oh, he signs a new contract and he's buried. And I'm thinking, what the? What are y'all talking about? Like, he was not on TV. That's right. He, he, not being on TV is buried. Him being put on 205 Live, having a nice run, then, after he signs his contract, uh, are they embarrassing him? Well, they're embarrassing his character. His character. They're embarrassing Mike Kanellis. They're not embarrassing Mike Bennett. Right. Because I don't think Mike Bennett is going to do it, especially after he asked for his release seven, eight months ago, uh, if unless he wants to. Not only that, Jimmy, I look over at 205 Live, and I'm like, okay, this is one of the better storylines I see right now is Mike Kanellis and Drake Maverick. And I know that you don't watch 205 Live, but – They've gone back and forth on social media to the point where Drake Maverick, he's like, you bitch more than anybody in wrestling, yada, yada. And they're, they're going back and forth. And Mike Kanellis criticizes him for storylines that are happening on Raw and SmackDown, saying you care more about the 24-7 title right. than you do this. And he's picking this fight with him. Right. They're arguing over who is more of a man. And it's kind of funny because one of them literally can't get laid by his wife <laughs> and the other one's wife is implying that she gets laid by other oh, wrestlers. Becky Lynch. Right, yes. right, right. So I mean, but they're going at it and Drake Maverick attacks him and I'm like, "Whoa. Whoa, just 
not everybody's Roman Reigns. Not everybody's the main event player. You've got some you got some utility players there. You've got a shortstop. You've got a second baseman. You've got a third baseman. Everybody can hit cleanup. Somebody's got a bad seventh and eighth in the lineup here. And Mike Kanellis is not only batting sixth or seventh or eighth in the lineup right now, but he's knocking it out of the park. In that role, and Drake Maverick is too. Oh yeah. So, oh Drake Maverick has benefited from that title more than anybody. I really do want to see them kind of move on, because you can only do our truth and Drake Maverick so many weeks. But uh, he's definitely benefited. A couple more things from Raw. SummerSlam is not appealing to me so far. Uh, you had Natalia win a 26-minute, I think it was. Uh, fatal four-way women's match to challenge Becky Lynch. I understand that they don't really have any girls on the Raw brand right now that could meet that could make a marquee matchup for Becky Lynch. But you know what, What Sean? They do this cross-promotional stuff all the time. They had Alexa Bliss challenge for the SmackDown women's title. They could have just taken a girl from SmackDown, thrown her in a program with Becky Lynch, and then maybe after SummerSlam you get rid of the wild card. I don't know. But next- or, or they could have spent the last few weeks preparing for this and getting somebody over. You're right, and that takes me to the Seth Rollins thing. Uh, I have zero interest in seeing Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar again. I have zero interest. And when I was watching that battle row, and this just plays into what you just said, if they had have planned it out, they could have done Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley. They could have put over their respective backgrounds in MMA. They could have gotten some footage from Bellator and showed Bobby Lashley grounding and pounding guys out. That could have been an interesting, fresh marquee matchup in WWE, but because they book things by the seat of their pants all the time, they buried Bobby Lashley with Braun Strowman. You could watch that Battle Royal on Monday, Sean, and you could pretty much decipher from the very beginning who was going to win because most of the guys in it had lost either on Sunday or they had lost within the last one or two weeks against other people. It was pretty clear it was going to come down to Seth, maybe Randy Orton, uh, and that was about it, maybe Braun Strowman, those three guys and probably nobody else. And so... uh, I don't want to see Seth Rollins and Brock, and Brock Lesnar. I don't want to see Becky Lynch and Natalia. And that's where we're at. And then what the hell was with the Miz-Dolph Ziggler thing? What was that? What was the point? Oh, God, I don't know. But Dave Meltzer says it's not slated for SummerSlam. Thank God. But they did a three-minute talk segment in the ring, Sean? And the thing is, they had a really great feud a couple years ago that nobody expected to be good. But that was when the Miz was literally the hottest in his career. He was hottest as Intercontinental, hotter than, as Intercontinental Champion than when he was a WrestleMania main eventer at that right. point. Right. And they had a great match, but there's nothing there. If they team up, that interests me. A couple, of guys with, a couple of guys with very similar, uh, at least, cultural backgrounds. Right. And that was Dolph Ziggler trying to relate to him a little bit. So that's what I'm hoping happens because, hey, you give me them against the Usos or the Revival or a team like that, I'll probably be into it. It'd be something different, yet yeah, I also uh, didn't like how on SmackDown, Bailey offered Ember Moon a shot of the title at SummerSlam, kind of like how you offer someone a stick of gum. Yeah, that was that was unusual. I mean, well, so I like the match. Odd. Yeah, I'll, but it, I like the match. Sure, uh, I do like that Seth Rollins had to earn his way into a rematch. But that being said, it was very predictable. And why do it right off the bat? Right. Hey, if you're building up to SummerSlam, and we know Jimmy. We know they're going to have placeholder horse shit. So why not make a lot of your matches on Monday and Tuesday matter? Why not do qualifying matches for the Battle Royal? Right, right. Make somebody earn their way into the Battle Royal. Then 
one night after losing the title back in back in the title picture, he's got to earn his way back in. Then he's got to earn his way in through a battle royal too. It, it just give me a reason to care about more matches instead of just hot shotting everything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was hard to take the battle real seriously when you've got Sami Zayn in there, who is you know really never won a singles match on television. Uh, Cesaro, who you know just lost to Aleister Black. I mean, it, it was hard to take it seriously anyway. But that's what we got coming for SummerSlam. All right, uh, Brady, let's go to stupid people. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. I was telling Sean before, this was one of those weeks where I had so many stories to choose from. I don't know what it is about the month of July in 2019. I had so many to choose from. I, it took some effort to whittle it down to six stories for, uh, for the live show and for Stupid People Extended. But uh, I managed to get it done, and these are good, Sean. These are good, man. This first one, reported by the UK Sun on July 11. You might have heard of this one. So there was a woman in Istanbul, Turkey. And she was taking a flight for the first time in her life. All right. Got a little confused at the airport check-in. What do you think happened? Her dick fell off. She walked up onto the luggage conveyor thinking that was the path to the plane. We got a video. (laughs) Put the video up, Brady. My, Amazing. Yeah, my apologies. I didn't tell Brady when there's no sound on a video, let them hear my audio over top of it. And so you guys just had an audio uh, video with no audio, but that's all right. So uh, I don't know how, even though she had never flown before, I don't know how you survey the area and not realize that that's not what you do. Even though she'd never flown before, that's what she did. So uh, good for her. Uh, this next one, this was posted on the Facebook page, Sean, for a wildlife hospital. Uh, in the UK called Tiggy Winkles Wildlife Hospital on July 1st. And you're going to like this, man. So there were some good Samaritans, and they saw what they believed to be a a big exotic bird stranded on the highway. Uh, It was a really large or a fairly large, vibrant-colored, orange-colored bird that was stranded on the highway. So they called Animal Rescue to give this bird some help. Tiggy Winkles Wildlife Hospital came to the rescue. What did they find when they got there, Sean? I'm, I'm, is it like a big bird costume? It was a seagull covered in curry powder. We have a picture of it, Brady. Oh, my God. Very, clearly, very clearly a seagull. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, very obviously a seagull. I don't know how it got into the curry powder, but it hampered its ability to fly. Um, burning up so uh, bad well they cleaned it up and it was all right they cleaned it up and it was fine and this stupid people or stupid birds what the hell i mean if it was me with all due respect to these people and if i saw that bird on the highway i would know it's a seagull yeah even though it's orange but uh it was what it was i don't know this last one this was sent in this for the srs file and it was sent in by joe provost 
It was reported by the Detroit Free Press on July 15th. So a neighborhood association in Macomb Township, Michigan. They're on the lookout for someone suspected of mischief, Sean. Mischief. Oh? What did they do? Mischief. Mmm. Where, okay. I need a setting. What, where was it again? It's in Macomb Township, Michigan. Michigan, huh? Yep. They brought their rattlesnake and uranium <laughs> to a sex shop. Okay, you'll have to watch uh, Super People Extended on Fightful Select to know what Sean's talking about with that. Yeah. Uh, no, so there is a serial pool pooper on the loose, Sean. Somebody has been defecating in a community pool. With new- cereal! Yeah, with cereal. Yeah. On a number of occasions, they've been doing this, uh, leading to the closure of the pool on a number of occasions. They've hired an attendant to remain on site until the end of the summer. And here was maybe the best part. The president of the association, they released a statement, and it included an unintentional pun. The statement said, quote, at the present time, we are reviewing attendance logs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. So they're trying to find that person, and I guess we'll see what happens. Rob Wilkins, thank you for the super chat. He says, he's a legend, but he thinks JR has lost interest. He should know the moves. Also, FYI, Bischoff was in a commercial for Raw on next Monday. Yeah, I know he was, the the Raw reunion gimmick. But, um, yeah, then the thing is, Jim Ross has said, oh, well, after my contract, I hope I get renewed. Well, you need to renew your interest. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously, you know, he's been in business for, what, 30 years, maybe 40 years in the wrestling business. Obviously, the passion is not what it was. And with all due respect to him, you can kind of tell when he watches the matches that he doesn't think highly of certain guys. Like, you can tell. I don't know if he has the old school mentality about, like, guys being indie-rific, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, But you're not going to convince me that Jim Ross thinks the Young Bucks are great. You're not going to convince me that he does, because he doesn't. Yeah. And you can tell in his commentary that he doesn't. The fact that he had to call Darby Allen's move that coffin thing he does tells me (laughs) that he didn't care enough about Darby Allen to, to ask what the move was called. I don't know, man. Maybe he's not overly impressed with the product, and he's just really happy to have, to have the opportunity. I don't know. He's, yeah. he's been in the business a long time, so who knows what his motivation is. Uh, I want to talk about this Bailey FS1 thing. And, uh, boy, did this ever take a, a, a wrong turn yes. quiz, quickly for Miss uh, Christine Leahy. So uh, <laughs> Bailey was on a show called Fair Game with Christine Leahy. I'm sure everybody's heard about it by now. She was asked what fans would be surprised to know about life on the road for a WWE superstar. And Bailey went on about how, oh, you know, uh, uh, long drives and potentially running out of gas and driving through sketchy areas sometimes. And Christine Leahy, and you got to understand, she primarily interviews like pro athletes from major pro sports. So she was shocked to know that wrestlers don't have drivers. Really shocked. And Bailey, to her credit, tried to cover and say, well, there's 30 people on a show. You're not going to have 30 drivers, which is fair. Uh, And then Christine Leahy said, "Uh, do you want me to negotiate your new CBA? Then she paused and said, do you have a CBA? And Bailey goes, no. And then she tried her best to cover. Oh, they take care of us and, and whatever. FS1 posted that clip on their Twitter, as they usually do. They usually post clips from, uh, from uh, that show. We all know who owns FS1. We all know WWE's moving to them in October. Didn't take, what, 24 hours for that to get yanked, Sean? And, uh, yeah. and it was a bad look for WWE. And I, I bet you Christine Leahy probably got crapped on 
by FS1, even though she was just doing her job. I don't think so. No, you don't think I so? Don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, it, that wasn't her fault. It that wasn't. was a natural thing. Yes. If they don't prime her on that, if they don't give her that info, that is on that, that is on a producer, that is on somebody else. Right. Uh, that is not on Christine Leahy. That is... That is that's like uh, the the Ambrose Austin podcast when Ambrose said, "Hey, I don't want to tackle this subject." That was on the producer. The producer's got to fill in Austin. Right. Austin it doesn't have the time to personally do all that research. But I, I spoke to people in WWE. They said that they thought that Bailey handled it about as well as she could. I think so too. Uh, yeah. There's no heat on her or anything. Right. Yeah. I spoke to one wrestler that said, um, uh, "Gosh, what was it?" Yeah. They said that they they wouldn't mind employment status but not at the expense of somebody else's job or somebody's or, or their own right and that they know that what they're getting into but it is a discussion worth having but the thing is nobody really has the discussion is what no, i'm told i thought bailey came off real well uh in that interview because she didn't know what was coming and and so i thought it was quite good all right finn balor so uh pro wrestling sheet broke the story that he asked for time off and he is going to be going on a sabbatical after SummerSlam for about two months we're told uh, apparently, it's not about him having any kind of heat or disenchantment. He just wants time off. And you and I have talked about this before, Sean. WWE's got these big new television contracts kicking in. They're giving guys raises, as we're seeing. But it, the raise is still, you know, the ratio of the raise versus the ratio and where WWE's profits are going to be, they're still not the same. And so well, what if, do you... if they If they all get Gallows and Anderson deals, based on what I heard and cannot report yet, Boy, that might change. Holy maybe, crap. maybe, but we've talked about this before. How do you appease your roster without giving out massive raises and without pushing everybody to the moon creatively? And you and I have talked about this. Among other things, you take care of their hotel on the road. You take care of their rental cars. You give them a per diem for food, and you implement time-off cycles. And yep. to, to me, there is no negativity or there's no negative aspect of a time-off cycle because in the past, remember when guys like Hunter, Triple H would get injured, they'd go off because they're injured, come back, and they'd be hotter than ever because of the whole thing about absence makes the heart grow fonder. Finn Balor goes away for two months. He will come back hotter than he is because the crowd will be happy to see him. And he will come back rejuvenated. He'll come back excited. He'll come back healthy. I think that they need to implement this with all talent. I think that they should do maybe six weeks to two months, once or twice a year for every talent. The house shows are not going to miss them because the way things are with the live events now is almost nobody is the draw anymore. Like you can't say aside from maybe maybe a Roman Reigns, and that's a maybe, that nobody is a draw on the, on the live events. So uh, good for Finn Balor. It's a win-win. So obviously he's, gonna, he's probably going to wrestle Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam, and then he's going to go away for a couple months after that, and he'll come back hotter than ever, Sean. Personally, what I would do if I were looking at the situation, I would cut two to three live events per month from the schedule. Uh, roughly maybe one a week. I would have one week. maybe one weekend per month where you have the full current live event thing, and you do that in a market you know will be successful. Right. If I were them, I'd be exploring some other things. Like how many of these one-man shows do you see out there that are doing great and getting great content for them? Mm-hmm. Utilize those. Film those. Turn those into content for the network, for .com. Find other paths to revenue in that regard. Find new ways to develop merchandise. Be cutting edge. Be different. Right. Uh, I, I look at some of the stuff that AEW's done with StarCast, and I look at some of the ways that they've developed digital content, and I think that's cutting edge, and that's the way to do it. Uh, something that you know, a lot of people are like, wow, can't believe Mike Kanellis and the Revival are getting 500000 Well, 
I took a look at some of the contracts from WCW and like when you can't compare but Disco Inferno was making in 2000. Yep. That average that like for inflation is about 438 grand today. Yeah. I think it's pretty much on par. I mean, Lanny Poffo got paid six figures to sit at home. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, WCW is not 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 the proper benchmark because they their talent uh, expense was an albatross around their neck. But well, some of them, yeah. I mean, like the Barbarian is making one hundred ninety six thousand, and that's roughly four hundred thousand these days. And he was used a bit. He was on the undercard and and used that was. During a prime year, he was making like 163, something like that. So you, I think there are ways that now that WWE can recoup money that WCW didn't know. They they didn't have as many ways to do it back then. And now WWE can maximize their potential earnings off of someone a lot differently. Ring of Honor, what have you heard about Honor Club subscribership? I, I haven't really asked lately, but I did see that they're live streaming their television tapings now, which I yep. think is a brilliant move. Yep, so starting this Saturday, so we're doing this on July 17th, starting this Saturday with the TV tapings in New York called uh, Manhattan Mayhem. They're going to be live streaming their tapings on Honor Club, uh, and in the past uh, they would show up weeks later on Honor Club, so this is going to be a big change. When I heard about that, the immediate feeling I had was their Honor Club numbers are probably uh, falling falling off, I bet, due to the popularity of the company kind of dropping off. And so I questioned, because you got to understand for Ring of Honor that that is on a bit of a budget, even though they've got good ownership, they're still on a bit of a budget. Live streaming is, a, is more costly for them than just throwing something on there three weeks later. I think they're doing it out of necessity because I think numbers are probably dropping off. So, uh, so good for them that they're doing that. One other thing about Ring of Honor, what do you think of this? So the weekend that you're here, now like there's not going to be enough for you to do. Yeah. We, know, we know that Ring of Honor is doing their summer supercard. It's going to be the night that we're at the Jays game, yeah. so, so you can't go to it. But they announced that the winner of Jay Lethal versus Matt Taven, which is happening Saturday at their tapings, uh, that winner is going to face Alex Shelley for the Ring of Honor title at summer supercard. I thought he retired a year ago, Sean. He did. He's back. <laughs> it's, That's all he, there is he, to The it? thing is, he didn't retire. He kind of said, taking time off. Taking time believe. off. Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, well, I'm hoping I can get some Ring of Honor people, too. I got to hit up uh, their PR guy and try to make that work because I would love to. With my luck, they'll they'll give me somebody from, like, Cincinnati that I could get anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, hey, guys, if you all see people that are booked in the Toronto area – Hit him up on Twitter and say, I want Fightful to interview you, and that goes a long way. If these companies and these wrestlers see that the demand is there, uh, usually they'll they'll follow up and get with us, and we'll have some good stuff for you guys. Uh, today, July 17, The Rock was at the Performance Center in Orlando. Any reason for that, or was he just there to work out? I just heard like an hour before we got on the air. Haven't heard back. Uh, I know his daughter is there fairly often doing like doing drills and stuff. Don't know if that's something to do with it, but um, I'm pretty sure that he's going there to uh, steal Stokely Hathaway's CD player. <laughs> oh, don't you mean Courtney Moore? Oh God. Yeah. Now I, I, I was I asked somebody in NXT like, okay, some of these names they make sense and all that stuff. But goddamn, Stokely Hathaway is the perfect heel manager name. It is good. Right? Yeah, I mean, they, they want to own the IP. But, yeah, uh, but it is what uh, it is. 
Uh, the only thing I will say about the Rocket, this is pure speculation. This is just me kind of spitballing. So Raw Reunion is in Tampa next Monday. And obviously uh, Tampa is, uh, you know, stones for away, sort of, from, uh, from Orlando. I'm not suggesting Rock's going to be at Raw Reunion. And to be honest with you, he doesn't need to be at Raw Reunion because they've already announced like Austin and Hogan and Flair and Shawn Michaels and Booker T and Christian and even like Sergeant Slaughter and all these other guys. But Tampa and, and Orlando are pretty close. So uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, my thing is I don't – knowing that he's in Orlando – that doesn't tell me anything about where he'll be Monday. The Rock, that's true. That's true. He might be in Zimbabwe tomorrow, <laughs> for all I know. Because but, he's going. Uh, because he's going to uh, what the premiere of uh, Hobbs and whatever the hell it's called. Hobbs and Shaw. There you go. In uh, in Zimbabwe. I mean, I guess it's possible. What Good. do you think? What do you think of the fact that Raw Reunion was reportedly the idea of USA Network as a ratings ploy? Yeah, sure. But here's the thing. Somebody saying it was USA Network's idea, then another person said it was supposed to be the first SmackDown's idea. That is a contradiction to me. I don't know who reported that. I just know that those are the two so two things the, that have been reported. So if it's a USA Network idea, then it I don't know why it would have been the plan for the first Fox SmackDown. Yeah, no, those are two different things. So SmackDown's is going to be a 20th, 20th anniversary show, yeah. and, it, and it's going to be, I think, the second week of October. Uh, and then this one, this one, there is no reason for it. It's not because they hit a certain episode or a certain year. It's just a blatant ratings ploy is all it is. Well, I mean, they, they pitched a lot of stuff. I mean, at one point before apparently Eminem's people got upset that it was out there, him being on an episode of SmackDown was pitched as a ratings ploy. And they were, they had pitched, uh, presenting him with like some sort of gimmick belt or something like that. And then. His people found out and blew me off for a phone call after that. But uh, I, I, it's hard for me to tell. Like, what? It's still August, September, two and a half months away. Yes. I, I don't expect WWE to have any goddamn clue what they're doing in two and a half months. They don't know what they're doing next week, Sean. Yeah, uh, literally. Yeah, they got a new guy coming in to run the show. Yeah, they don't know what they're week. doing. No, and then uh, one last thing before we go. Congratulations, Braun Strowman. He posted on Instagram that he has signed four more years with WWE. So, yeah, good for him. Good for you, good man. For they're, they're actually starting to utilize him better again, so we'll see what happens with that, you know? Yeah, I like it. Uh, almost as much as I like you guys leaving thumbs up on this video, subscribing on YouTube. We are on podcast platforms everywhere, so if you don't listen to us on iTunes, still scoot on over there. Leave us a nice review. What happens is... We put our shows up on YouTube. We put them on multiple platforms. A lot of people put them on one. That way, everybody will flock to that one. It'll drive up their ratings. It will drive up their listener viewership and make them more visible. So uh, because so many of our viewers come from different platforms, download YouTube and all that stuff, it's harder for us to crack some of those charts on uh, iTunes. So every time you all leave a review, it helps a whole lot. It helps people find us. It helps iTunes say, oh, wow, people like this show. So if you all don't mind doing that, I would appreciate it. Uh, also, subscribe to our MMA channel at Fightful or at YouTube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing. That's where our MMA podcast is. Uh, no post show this Saturday. We will be reviewing UFC San Antonio. Ew. Next Tuesday. Why would UFC even go to San Antonio, Jimmy? I don't know what to tell you. They're doing Edmonton, too, uh, pretty soon. Yeah, with, that's not uh, so bad. Uh it's okay. I've been, don't you I've like been the there a Oilers? I do, and that's why I've been to Edmonton, and that's why I can say, eh, it's okay. Man. Yeah. 
Well, anything else you got? Uh, no, that's about it, man. I'm going to head out here and uh, eat some shit today. Like I told Sean off the air, I have to do. And that's all I got for you. Is it literal shit? No, no. I just have to, I just have to eat some shit today. That's all. I was going to say, I mean, it might as well be Toronto iced tea. I'm not looking forward to that, that situation. I, I come into Toronto and you're like, what do you mean do they have tea here? You <laughs> order tea at three different places in Toronto, you're going to get three vastly different things. I think you're looking for sweet tea, right? Sweet tea, but here's the thing. Then they'll bring you out a cup on a plate of piping hot tea with a thing of sugar to pour into it yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's why you have to call ask for iced tea. Iced sweet tea. Iced then sweet they bring tea, right. you out some tea that has been filtered through the mud. <laughs> you know what? I didn't know that Toronto's culinary abilities uh, could not surpass those of Ewing, Kentucky, but I'm glad that you let me know. Ewing's got some nice stuff here. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get some microwave lasagna or some... Uh, Come to my house. Come to my house. Week old bread. I mean, like, go to go to the week corner store. Week old bread. You, <laughs> I don't eat bread, Jimmy. You don't eat bread? I don't. I try not to. No. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, guys, subscribe to Fightful Select. Visit the site. You know, we do cool stuff here and there, Jimmy. On occasion. On occasion. Until next time, we're out. Subscribe to Fightful on YouTube for the latest exclusive podcast interviews and news across boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.